Well, good morning, church family. How, how is everyone doing? All right, well, good. It's wonderful seeing each and every one of you all. I'm going to mix the service up or the sermon up just a little bit. As you see, we have Lord's Supper. Usually right after the video, we stand up and read scripture. But before I do that, I want to explain a little bit about what we're doing in our sermon series. We're looking at the life of David. And we looked at a real heart and a real threat last week. Today, we're looking at a real faith. And if you were paying attention to the songs today, there's a whole lot about, I will look to you, I will praise you, hallelujah. And one of the things that we learn in the book of Psalms, and King David wrote about a third of the Psalms, he poured his heart out to the Lord. And in one of the ways he did it, one of the things that he teaches us that we can see in scripture is that in the good, the bad, the lonely, the incredible awesome times, is the importance of praise and worship. And I'm not talking about the Pollyannish attitude of just, where everything will be okay, just, no. I'm talking about where we focus and we fix our hearts and our minds on our Heavenly Father, our King, our Lord Jesus, and we just pour our hearts out to Him. Today we're going to look at a very well-known story. King David, well, when he was just a teenager, David and Goliath. There's over 50 verses in this chapter. Don't worry, we're not going to stand up and read all 58 verses. But this is what I do want to do and want to encourage you. Go back this week. Mary, you are sitting right here in front. And I haven't assigned homework for a while. I want you to read and meditate on this chapter every day this week. Most of us know the story of David and Goliath. In fact, I got some pictures just to show, you know, and this one of the several pictures, this came out of like my family's like old family Bible from a long time ago. But there's so many different depictions and Chris and Austin, you guys can just kind of flow through them. Some are more for kids. Others are pretty intense. There were some pretty graphic ones because if you know the story, David slew Goliath and then he cut off his head. So a lot of the images online I couldn't really put up here. This is kind of a fun one for kids. You know, then you even got a sculpture. And then my favorite one is this one right here. Park right there, Chris. This by far is my favorite. Now it's a cartoon. But look at David's eyes. Look at the intensity. And that's what we're going to look at. So let's stand up. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And again, the whole chapter, not today. We won't read the whole chapter. We've got the Lord's Supper. And if, we, if I read, whew, we'll be here forever. Starting in verse 30, 31, sorry. Starting in verse 31, 31 to 50. 1 Samuel 17, verse 31. It will be on the screen. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So he had David brought to him. David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. But Saul said, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. 
Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put on a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put on armor. David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he was not used to them. I can't walk in these, David said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. He said to David, am I a dog that you would come against me with sticks? Then he cursed David by his gods. Come here, the Philistine called to David, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword, spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, I will strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. David overpowered the Philistine and killed him without having a sword. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this awesome, amazing day. You are glorious and holy and righteous and true. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher. We invite you to move powerfully now in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, even with this well-known story, Jesus, open our hearts and minds to hear your voice as our good shepherd. Bring encouragement, bring conviction, bring comfort, bring healing. More than anything, Father, glorify your name. Give me your words. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive. And we ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. You all may be seated. David and Goliath, verse 1 through 30, you can read at home. I'm going to give a very quick synopsis. But before I do that, I've got a story to share. Most of you, if you've heard me preach, you've heard me repeat numerous stories over and over. I guess I must be just getting old and I'm getting repetitive. But most of you know that I loved sports growing up, and I was going to be a well-known, super professional basketball player. Hey, I'm the right height. I'm slow. I can't jump, but I couldn't shoot either. But I was going to be a professional basketball player. And I'll never forget, my senior going into my senior year in high school, I went to one of these recruiting camps. It's called Nike ABDC ABCD. And it's where hundreds of college coaches would be there. You're divided up on teams. You had a number that was stuck to your shirt. And they evaluated you. 
And I'll never forget, I got there, I was standing in line to register, and there was this dude in front of me, he had to been 10 feet tall. He looked like he weighed about 250 pounds, and he was nothing but muscle. And there were parents there, there were college coaches there, and I just assumed he was a college coach, an assistant coach, and we got to talking. And he was asking me where I was from, and I was like, well, where do you play? And he rattled off some name of some high school. And I was like, how old are you? 17? And I realized right then that I was way out of my league. I played basketball in college, a little bitty school up in, up in Chicago called Wheaton. We're Division Three. It's the lowest division you can have. My junior year, this dude walked in to the locker room, and he was six foot eight. He weighed 320 pounds, and he transferred in to play basketball at Wheaton. He became a really good friend of mine. I won't say his name. He's a pastor now. But he was so big that I could put my shoe, my foot with my shoe on, and his shoe lace it up, and I still had plenty of space. Other teams' fans would call him pork chop. He would get the ball and just slowly back up and then just lay it in. One day, I didn't go. He and all his friends heard of a restaurant that had a hamburger, a two-pound hamburger, two pounds of coleslaw, two pounds of French fries. And if you could eat it in 30 minutes, you got a free meal. And so they decided to do it. And I wish I'd gone, but I had a Young Life meeting, so I couldn't go. He got there. They served it on a garbage, paint, garbage lid. And I said, and when they got done, I said, how did you do it? He said, well, they gave you eight cups of coleslaw. He goes, I ate that first because I hate mayonnaise. And then the French fries were basically potato, you know, potato slices and eights. He goes, it's just a mound of, of fries. I ate those. And then I was left with the burger. And he says, this is about this big around. Two pounds, two pounds of beef. He goes, I got that down in about 28 minutes. And just to prove that I could do it, I ordered a dessert. <laughs> this is one of the biggest guys I've ever seen. But he was only six foot eight and about 300 pounds. Right here, Goliath says he was nine foot, six inches. And if you read all the footnotes, just the weight of his armor was like 120 pounds. Real quick with the story, because we've got Lord's Supper. The Philistines were a people group that they were the enemies of Israel. And this story here, David has already been anointed king, but he's still a teenager. And King Saul, who had been rejected by God, is still the king of Israel. And David is a teenager. He's still working for his dad. David is still a shepherd boy, even though he's a teenager. And he's watching over the sheep of his father day in and day out for years. And there's a battle. There's a war between between the Philistines and between Israel. And so the armies of the Philistines, they rise up. And the armies of Israel, led by King Saul, they rise up. And they form battle lines between this valley. And both armies are like, do we go? Do we not? Do we go? Do we not? Do we attack? How do we attack? So they're jostling, they're uh, that, sorry, for position. And then one day the champion of the Philistines, Goliath, he comes out and he makes a challenge. Let's just have two men fight, one from each side. And whoever wins, that army is victorious. And the losing army will then be our servants. But because Goliath was so massive and so huge, and as King Saul said, he had been a warrior since his youth. And just his sheer size, 
Every time he would come out in the morning, in the evening, for 40 days straight, defying Israel, defying the God of Israel, the Israelites would shudder with fear and they would retreat along with their king, King Saul. And that went on day in and day out. David, as a teenager, he's back in Bethlehem. His three older brothers go into the battle. And after a while, his dad, his father, Jesse, tells David, take some supplies, take some food, go see how your brothers are doing. So David goes. David gets to the camp. He leaves his supply with the quartermaster. And then as he's there looking for his brothers, talking with his brothers, Goliath comes out. And Goliath makes his pitch again. Give me your champion and we will fight one-on-one. And whoever wins, that army is victorious. And when he comes out, all of Israel, they shake and they shudder. But when David hears it, and there's a verse right here, verse 26. We'll go back a little bit. It will be on the screen. When David hears what Goliath says, David says in verse 26, David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, this is just a teenager. He's not a warrior. And I'll be honest with you. In our day and age, when I see battle words like this, I'm like, ooh, this comes out of the Bible. Like, aren't we supposed to turn the other cheek? Aren't we supposed to serve? But I'll tell you this, brothers and sisters, we live in a world that is evil and wretched, and there are evil people in this world. And sometimes it requires good men and women to stand up and fight against evil. That is just a reality. And when I look at this right here and I I hear David's, I read David's uh, words, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because see, David has eyes of faith. And he's not just hearing what, what Goliath is saying, but Goliath is cursing the God of Israel. And David wants to know who's gonna, what's going to happen. David's brother, he's like, oh, I know. David's brother, older brother rebukes him for meddling. But David keeps talking, keeps asking what's going to happen. And David's words get back to King Saul. And that's where we picked up. King Saul called David in. And he tries to put on the armor. And there's several things we'll look at. But when David gets to King Saul, there's some powerful words here. In verse 31, what David had said was overheard and reported to Saul. So in verse 32, David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Could you imagine that? Here's a little 17-year-old, 16-year-old, 18-year-old, this little whippersnapper. The two armies have been there for days. And David's words are telling the king of Israel, don't let anyone be discouraged by this person. I will kill him. And Saul rebukes him. He says, you can't fight. You're just a youth. And this guy's been a warrior since his youth. How does David respond? He goes, look, I've been tending sheep my whole life. I've been watching my father's sheep day in and day out for years, ever since I was a little kid, out in the wilderness. And I'm sure they had a longer conversation, but it wasn't a glamorous job. I'm sure it was pretty pretty boring most of the time. 
day in and day out in the wilderness, out in the desert, in the hot sun, in the wind, in the rain, in the heat, and the cold. And yet David is faithful watching his father's sheep. But David says, he goes, but when a lion would come, when a bear would come and would snatch one of the little lambs, I would pursue it and I would rescue that lamb. And if that lion or if that bear raised, rose up against me, I would kill it. And I would snatch that lamb out of its mouth and I would rescue it. And the God who protected me, the God who saved me from that lion and from that bear will protect and watch over me from this man. And I will kill the giant. So Saul tries to put his armor on David. And as we read, David tried to walk around. He says, this isn't going to work. So he takes off Saul's armor. And he takes his shepherd bag. He takes his shepherd's staff. He takes his sling. And it says he goes to the wadi and he picks out five smooth stones. Now, these aren't little bitty pebbles like the size of a penny. Most theologians believe that the stones that David picked up were probably the size of a tennis ball. So we're talking something the size of maybe, you know, a fist. And it wasn't one of those little toy slingshots, you know, that you have the little V shape and you kind of hold on like this and you shoot it. No. This thing, and you, you guys have seen it, where you wind it up and you sling it and the thing will go hundreds of miles an hour. One of my professors in the university had his PhD in Palestinian culture. And he was telling us that even to this day, now this is back in the early 90s, that the Israelite army of today with machine guns and armor, when they'd see the Palestinian teenagers winding up their slings because they didn't have weapons, they would hit cover. They would hide because the rocks that are shot out of those type of slingshots are just like a bullet. And just think, David, day in and day out, night in, night out, day by day by day, out in the wilderness. What was he doing? Practicing. Now, there were not tin cans back then, but I'm sure he lined up rocks and maybe old jars up on the fence post. We also know that David was cultivating a relationship with our Heavenly Father, with God. He probably was already writing some of the Psalms that we read today in the book of Psalms because David wrote a third of the Psalms that we have where he would declare God's goodness, God's righteousness, God's faithfulness, God's protection. God is strong tower. God is shield. God is protector. God is provider. This is David as a teenager. And day in and day out, he's watching over the sheep. He's protecting the sheep. He's rescuing the sheep. And oh, he's practicing. He's had to kill the lion and kill the bear. And so he comes out and Goliath comes out to make his threat again. And out comes David. Goliath sees David and curses him by his own gods. Says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? You see, Goliath couldn't even recognize the weapons that David had. And it says that David ran after Goliath, ran right into him. The cartoon picture, Chris, could you put that one up? The fun, silly one with the intense eyes. Now, this is a cartoon. But with the intensity, David runs directly at Goliath. And with that sling, and he throws the rock, and it says it embedded right into his forehead, and Goliath fell face down. 
We didn't read the passage, but David didn't have a sword, so he took Goliath's sword out, cut off his head. The Philistine army saw it and fled, and the Israelite army, their courage rallied, and they routed the Philistines. But what, caught, what speaks to me more powerfully than anything is in verse 36. Verse 36, David says, Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David's faith was fixed on Yahweh. And then when we jump over here into verse 25, or verse 45, sorry, when, when Goliath curses David, and this is what David says. It says, David said to the Philistine in verse 45, you come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of Israel. You see, David had spiritual eyes, and he knew that it just wasn't a physical battle between two countries. And it wasn't even an equal battle. I'm sure you guys have probably seen some of the cartoons of Jesus and Satan in a boxing ring or they're arm wrestling and they look like they're equal. Uh Uh-uh. Our Heavenly Father is a 14-size work boot, reinforced steel that's squashing an ant. Multiply that by eternity, and that is the difference between how strong and powerful and awesome and amazing our Heavenly Father is against the forces of evil. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And David could see that with the spiritual eyes that God had given him. And he knew that Goliath was defying the God of Israel, the God of all heaven and all earth, of all creation. And David knew that he wasn't going in his own strength or his own power, but he was going in the power of our heavenly king. David didn't try to use other weapons and other armament, King Saul's, to do the battle. He used his own tools, his own weapons, his own ability, and his own training to defeat the enemy, letting God empower him to do God's work in his life. We won't read it, but you can read it at the end of this chapter. It says that as Saul watched David run up into the battle against Goliath, Saul asked his general, Abner, whose son is that? And Abner said, my king, I have no idea. You see, King David, who he would eventually become king, is a forerunner of one of his descendants, our King Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the son of David. He is the son of God. He is the eternal son forever who sits on the throne today. It's who we worship. It's who we love. It's who we serve. That is our king. There is so much that we could gain out of this story. And I want to encourage you as you read this passage every single day this week, Homework, Mary. I'll ask you next week if you got it. No, many times, and this is one of my challenges for all of us, many times we read this and we put ourselves in the shoes of David. Read it, imagining that you're King Saul. The next time you read it, read it, imagining that you're one of David's brothers. 
or you're one of the other Israelite soldiers from that perspective. Read it as if you're one of the Philistine soldiers. Allow Holy Spirit to speak to you through this passage in a way that maybe you've never thought of. In closing, there's four things I want us to focus on very quickly before we move into the Lord's Supper. The first one is this. Be faithful in the little everyday tasks that Jesus gives you. Be faithful in the everyday tasks that the Lord Jesus gives you. I'm sure when David was out tending those sheep from the time he could probably barely walk, I don't think he was ever thinking that he is going to slay a giant. I don't think he was ever thinking when he had to rescue the lambs from the clutches of a lion or a bear that this was training to destroy the champion of the Philistine army. Day in and day out, he was faithful tending those sheep, faithful in practicing, you know, shooting stones out of sling, not to slay the giant, but to protect his sheep. He was faithful caring for those sheep, seeking out the lost, feeding the sheep, watching over the sheep. And yet God used that to deliver his people. Jesus says in Luke 16.10, he who is faithful and little will be faithful and a lot. The second point is this, God's faithfulness. There are just dozens of Psalms that David composed about God's faithfulness. This is just one of them, Psalm 36.5. In Psalm 36, 5, this is what David says, Lord, your faithful love reaches to the heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. I can imagine out in the wilderness, out in the deserts near Bethlehem, as David was sitting there at night, there's no light pollution. And he gazes up into the stars, and as he meditates on Yahweh, God gives him these words. As he sits on the hillside and he sees storms rolling in, he sees these clouds. God, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. God is faithful. Even when we are faced with challenges and confrontations and difficulties, even when there's loss, God is faithful. The third point is this, spiritual warfare. David had spiritual eyes. He didn't see a six foot nine, 350 pound ball of muscle. He saw an enemy that was defying his God. And he knew he didn't go into his own strength or his own abilities, but it was God who would empower him. There is a spiritual war that is ravaging the world. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual darkness. We do have an enemy. His name is Satan. He comes to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and life abundantly. The fourth point is this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I've got a lot of most favorite best verses, and that's like Forrest Gump English right there. So if English isn't your first language, don't learn English from me, okay? 
they did not learn me good in school. So Hebrews chapter three, chapter three, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. Let's stand for this verse here. And I want to invite the worship team to come forward. Hebrews 12, one through three. Read this, kind of superimpose these verses on the story of David and Goliath. Therefore, since we, are, we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, this comes right after the chapter of faith in Hebrews. Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and give up. Our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus always. And may we throw everything aside, the sin that entangles, anything else that hinders us from running with great endurance, with joy, our walk with Jesus.